Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Constos Convos podcast. Today's very special guest is Joe McLaughlin. Joe, who is an art historian, a curator, a writer and fellow podcaster. Her podcast is called Joe's Art History and you can find it at joesarthistory.com. Obviously, in today's episode, we talk about art, photography, and everything else in between. So, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, why not stick around and listen to the rest of the show? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Constos Convos Podcast. Joe, welcome to the Constos Convos Podcast. How are you doing? I'm I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to to have a chat and more importantly hear another Glaswegian accent. I've missed this accent down here so much. <laughs> where's where's down there for the people listening? Oh, so I um so well, I'm originally from Coatbridge, but I am now based in London. So Coatbridge, a bit far away. The the Buckfast mm. capital of the world. It is indeed, and we are very proud of it. We were also, um, when I was at school, we won the most drunkest town of the year, two years in a row. Thank you very much, Brian. So um... You are one classy lassie. <laughs> no, well, that's it. That's why I work in the art world, you know, we needed, we needed a bit of rough. <laughs> how, did, how, did they, how did you get into art? you always been, like, well, just, just for everybody listening, Joe is a, podca- a fellow podcaster, but her show is about art. You're an art historian, curator. Mm-hmm. Listening to some of your podcasts, you've get people. Uh, obviously, the first one I listened to, like uh, I quite like street art. Well, I really like street art. We've had Bobby, who's Rogue One in Glasgow. He's a graffiti artist. Um, I've always loved it. I love hip hop. I love the whole, you know, the graffiti was just really special. Since I've been a wee boy, so I listened to the girl you had on who was talking about Banksy. Um, Mm. And I never ended up listening to it. I think I downloaded it. You had a photographer on as well. Obviously, me being a photographer, and I wanted to listen to that one. So what what, what is it you actually do? Is this like a side project to bring all your likes and loves of art? And you, like, I had to be look at your website, which is lovely too, by the way. Um, Thank you. You've worked in museums as well. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, the podcast started because... So as you said, I'm an art historian and um, I'm not your typical art historian. You know, I was born in Coatbridge. You know, my my mum was a, was a teacher and my dad was a joiner. So really art worldwide, I am not the sort of typical, you know, one size fits all sort of art historian. Yep. And um, it was really by chance that I fell into it. Like I got, um, I, I went to an, uh, like an open day at university and I just randomly came across some wee women at a stand at Glasgow University and I just had an amazing conversation with her and I was it was like a lightning bolt moment at like 18 years old I was like oh my god this is what I want to do this sounds amazing and then I asked that age-old question which I don't know if it's a Scottish thing I just felt the entire four years I was studying art history every time I said to someone I'm studying art history the the response was what the hell kind of job can you get with that what a waste (laughs) of your time yeah a real job Uh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, what a total waste. So I got a job. Um, and this is what I asked this woman. I was like, what the heck can you do with, with an art history degree? And she just rhymed off about 50 different things that you could do. And I was like, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. Because 
when you're at school, you're not told you can go and study art. You can go, you know, if you're told you're if you study told art. You're a lot you're... of things. You're just. Oh my God, so much. Like, I've, I've <laughs> spoke, like, obviously, in this, I'm not quite a conspiracy theorist, but if you look at uh, school schooling, especially um, in Britain, it hasn't mm. changed that much for like since the Industrial Revolution when it was kind of put in place that these um, really what you call these moguls would set up schools and housing for the workers and mm. it was set up that you know they were training you to go work in the factories and things you know you you get your first tea break when the bell goes you use the toilet you don't well sorry you're not allowed to use the toilet you, you wait to the breaks everything's you know yeah. the bell ringing i look back now especially the internet there's so many things you, you can do to make a living doing things oh that you gosh. love you're not going into the factories you know i'm for clay bank where it was just all industry and you went and you worked in the yard or you worked in singers, but now like yourself and like even me, I, I'm a photographer. And when I went to college, actually, I remember my lecturers like, you're going to have, you're going to have to move down to London to become a commercial photographer. And I'm like, I don't really want to move down to London. Um, and just how much things have changed. And now with the internet, you can kind of do whatever you want. Really, can you? You could be you could be an art historian on YouTube alone and just talk about art. Well, that's it, and that's so funny. I actually had a conversation with someone today who is an art historian, and he makes his living talking about art on YouTube, Shoot and he up. does this amazing series for anyone that has that's interested in art and thinks, "Oh, it's not really my bag." It's called Great Art Explained in Fifteen Minutes, and it's run by this guy called James. And he just talks, and essentially the whole process is he'll just break down an amazing painting or, or, or an artist in 15 minutes in a really accessible, no sort of fluffy, yep. elitist way. And going back to kind of what you said previously about like what, why I started the podcast is I love talking about art and I'm really passionate about more people feeling that they can be involved in it and that it Making is the for them. Like you, you know, just well, to pass the exactly. show to love. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like yourself, Constor, you know, you, you're you a photographer. You know, you, there's there's a love of people, of connection, of creating something beautiful. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and the stories that that can create and, and I don't know, the friendships that form. And it's just, it's a really powerful thing. And you're also not told that at scale as well, that art is really powerful and that it connects to so many different things. And so I, during the day, I work for a commercial sculpture gallery in Glasgow and uh, in London called Pangolin London cool, and it's based mm, so it's based in King's Cross and I've worked there for about five years now uh-huh. and I've kind of sort of moved up the ranks um, very slowly but I've moved up the <laughs> ranks and um, I think initially when they hired me they were like what the hell have we done with this Glaswegian because I was like whoa like really <laughs> buzzing about it because the thing about people in London is they can't look you in the eye to have a conversation. And obviously I'm from Glasgow and it's one of these places where you go to the pub and then you'll end up, if you've not had a conversation with at least 15 other people, either at the bar, beside your meeting table. random people everywhere, don't you? Exactly, meet a random art and having an absolute banging conversation yeah, about something. Absolutely. Yeah. On, on the train, on the street, queuing for your shopping. That's probably a very much a Glaswegian thing, to be honest. Like I, I'm Canadian. So I even mm. moved here, obviously I was here when I was younger through holidays and stuff, but I moved to Scotland, I think nine years old or so. And I was quite a, a shy boy and just, just random people just talking to you, especially I always was just amazed by like old grannies that 
bus stops and just talk to you as if, and I'm like, why is she talking to me as if she knows me? You know, just people, and as such a Glasgow thing, they just everybody talks. They just don't yeah. care, and just as you said, you go, you know, you go up Glasgow and you up the West End, or just all random places, and you just get into these really cracking conversations. That's part of the reason why I started the podcast was doing jobs uh, as a photographer, or just you know, even through the football, meeting guys, and you're just like, God, oh, man, these guys are so cool. You get these really cool yeah. conversations, and I'm like, Joe Rogan, obviously. Mm. It was a big influence to me, and I'm like, I'd like to do that. And who could I have on? And I'm like, God, there's quite a good list. I'm like, I think about five people. I'm going to do this, and I was, I had about ten, and uh, even somebody yourself, you know, coming on, and I, I'm laughing right because I, I, I put her. Uh, I had oh God! Re- <laughs> I know I had a wee break, right? And I've been, I've been dead busy. I've had a lot of work on, mm. and I'm doing work in the house, and. Uh, obviously I've got like three young kids and just haven't kind of caught up so I'm sitting there and I'm like I really want to get back into the podcast again so I put out a wee message on social media like uh, I want to get back in the on the saddles anybody want to do a podcast so I get a few messages but I got a message from uh, your mum yeah my absolute legend of a mum <laughs> and I was laughing myself purely because like my mom always laughs. She's like my biggest fan. And you get a wee bit embarrassed as well. Like I've on a post on social media. My mom's always popping up and putting a wee like or lovely. I love it. And she's like yeah. my biggest fan. And I just thought the same of you. And I'm like, it's such a, a, a nice thing, isn't it? She's looking at her. She's like, oh, you need to check out my daughter Joy's oh, uh, podcast. Listen, well, you should have, honestly, she called me about three times the night that she messaged you. She's like, so I've messaged this man. He's going <laughs> to call you. And I was like, what, man? What are you talking about, mum? Mum, this so, is creepy. Leave me alone. I was like, are you handing my number out to people? What is going on? And she was like, no, it's for a podcast thing. Because essentially, like when I said to my mum and dad, I'm doing a podcast. Yep. And they were kind of like, all right. They have absolutely no idea what it is. And I put it on, so my podcast, as well as being on, like, you know, like yourself, like uh, Spotify and iTunes, I put yeah. it on YouTube because it's the only platform my dad can navigate for some reason. So yeah, I was like, right. Knows, like, YouTube, don't they? That's it. Well, that's it. So I was like, right, dad, okay, like, here, like, I've put it up on YouTube for you. Like, have a wee listen. And because my dad's not a very arty person. I, I mean, I think my dad's an, an incredibly talented joiner. And I grew up in a house where, like, I, I watched him, like, dr- like, draw these incredibly detailed, beautiful architectural things. And, but he he would be like, no, that's not an art form. That's not a skill. That's just for my job. That is an art and it's form. Really, oh, my that God. It's so, it's so as an art form. But, like, it just, I don't know if this is a Ouija thing either. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Someone would be like, you're great at that. And you'd be like, no, no, I'm all right. Nah, they play, um, definitely play it down. Yeah, well, absolutely, because like God forbid you actually think something of yourself, and then then the problems start. <laughs> um, but it's been brilliant because um, you know my whole way through university, my dad had no clue what I did, bless him, and that's fine. And then since doing the podcast, like I get a phone call from him every week, and he's like, "Oh, I really enjoyed that Alexander McQueen episode. That's amazing that he made those legs for that woman, and and it's great because it's given my dad and I." another thing another like sort of level to connect on as well as people from I mean I get emails all the time from people which I'm just which I'm loving and people that are like can we meet once lockdown's over or can you recommend some like exhibitions we can go to and it's just I think 
because the whole idea of the podcast is just to have a really relaxed conversation and I'm not speaking to professional art historians I'm just speaking to people who have a passion about something because I think everyone in the world has that wee thing that they love to bang the drum about doesn't matter if it's video games or if it's sports or if it's an art form or if it's cars if you love something by the very nature you're going to be good at talking about it oh, and I, that's where the whole idea of the I podcast finding that even becoming friendly with people is always like you know, you start new jobs or you're doing certain things and I love talking. That's part of the reason why I want to do this as well. And you just oh. like a guy, you're like, oh, he's a bit of a grumpy bastard or something. And then you're like, you just find something that they're into or they, they find out. That's why the photography has been brilliant for me because I've done so many things and people find out they're instant. They just, they're like, oh, you do this, you do that. Have you ever done football? You ever, you know, photographed this? You've been there. And even the landscapes is a big thing. I do, I travel quite a bit. And I love to do landscapes and people are really enjoying that. And it's just a good way to kind of connect with people. And you said you find something that somebody's into. It's just you see them come alive. Like yeah, that's you it. And it is that the, sort of border. Yeah. And the old day, you're probably, uh, the, the old adverts, like the old BT, it's good to talk. And it is seeing you, you yeah. find something that you connect with people. Because actually, I think it was an Irvin Welsh book that when they were growing up, I think it was like, say, three or four pals. And they really connected through music. But as they're getting older and they get a bit grumpier, they get jobs and they start like arguing about politics and stuff. And it was one of the guys says, listen, can we just go back to how we connected, what we loved when we were, when we were young? It was all about listening LPs and music and stuff. We'll just go back to that. And they just said, right, don't talk about this and go back to that. And that's how they reconnected. And I thought about that because there are people that, you know, when you're young, you're in a football or music, art and you just, I think like Facebook now, you're seeing everybody's politics and it's been hard for people yeah. uh, to find out certain things about certain people. And, you know, a lot of people are not too forgiven, but I think you just need to go back to that thing that connected you or try and find something that connects you and not the things that, you know, everybody's moaning. And that, that's just my thoughts anyway. I think, yeah. as you says, with art, it's just a, a huge thing for everybody. I think, you know, trying to be painting on walls, you know, and but that's it. Yeah, well, that that's it exactly, though. And I think people, because it, you know, historically, it's this subject that's taught at university, and it's really posh people that were educated at Oxford, and they're about only afford to do it. If you like that, they get put in the positions that they could study. They had the time and the money, rather than you hmm. going and. Uh, my mom even she's like you're doing photography you don't want to do computers at college. Yeah. Do computers should probably write. Or they made a lot more money doing that, but. You've got to follow what you love and they just want the best for you. But yeah. it, I think that's a big one. It's like, I think art was seen that way. Like my brother done art and I think he could have took it further, but he was pre-internet as well. I think internet just opened up and it's let everybody oh know gosh. that you can kind of do what you want. Yeah. You know, selling it, you know, taking away middlemen, meeting like-minded people. It's just a... Uh, it's a big watershed, isn't it? That's why I started the blogging in that way, not. Well, absolutely. And I think for me, what what I am really loving about the internet is it's a great tool to like teach yourself things as well as like connect with different people about loads of different things. And also really sort of, if you want to really sort of geek down and like find a YouTube channel that you just watch some guys in America you know, playing video games or giving you cheat codes. That's so niche. You can find anything. Oh my God, yeah. 
anything. And that's just amazing because then it takes away this thing of, oh my God, I'm such a weirdo. I really love, I don't, I really love knitting patterns and I'm 16 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, there's, there's how, you know, there, you can, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with Things, how they do it. You said video games, right? Obviously I've got a big thing with that because my boy's just totally addicted to it and it does my head in. Oh, you can find it's like video games where you go like, ah, but I want a, I can't even think of the top of my head, like a girl who plays video games, you know, mm. an old lady that plays it, you could literally just find anything that you want. And as you say, it's just personalities that you want to. You spoke about that guy that broke that down. You're just like, oh, that's what kind of I want to do. And he's doing yeah. it. And um, actually I was watching that the other day and, you know, just the amount of YouTube channels have came up, but they can, it can handle so many people. And a lot of people are, you know, making a side income and doing stuff they really love. Uh, I'd done a, a photo shoot a while back for one of these girls who who does uh, Jamie Jim Genevieve that does the makeup videos. Mm. And she's been so successful. She's had like the documentaries on BBC and stuff. I think she's got like a million wow. subscribers or so or on her oh, Instagram. And you know, her setup and her lifestyle is just amazing. And but it is though, and and it just shows people like you don't have to follow this pattern of you go to school, you go to university, you get a job, you buy the house, you marry your person, you have you, you can do that. You can do anything. You don't have to be a banker or you don't have to, you know, be a manager or be a lawyer or an architect. You can actually be, be your like, own boss and do what you want. Exactly. Oh, I really like sort of editing videos. Oh, I really like I really like animation. Oh, I really like do. And you're not told that at school. And I feel that that is why this is carried through with arts are not important or the, this thing that you shouldn't really pursue. And it's also this thing as well that there's sort of skewed perception that you're that you're paid terribly within the arts. You're not paid amazingly, but there's ways of you making that up. But I also think there's so much more every day like so for example every day I wake up and I go to this gallery I don't feel like I'm working and I feel yeah. like I, I just, and when I come home and then I edit a podcast episode or I get to talk to someone like yourself this is work talking to constantly was work oh my god I'm gonna call my mom what a drag you are fired as my agent what oh my is god. this <laughs> and and it's just like but you get so much out of it so much out of it and I just think there's this you know if you put the fear into people like oh you're never going to make money if you do that well just kind of like when people used to say to me well you're never going to get a job in the art world and I'd be like well yeah with that attitude you won't like yeah, there's I, got I to be no say that one is like as soon as you do that of course it's not going to happen if you start that way and not even like I know and I'm terrible for saying monetize and stuff but it does make you you know how we live our lives that if you do that you can spend more time doing it and but even just creating is such a good thing and oh my gosh so good guys and that's what they're saying is like well if we consume all the time you know whether it be food you know tv or whatever it it, it can depress you man but seeing you start creating your own and it gives you that buzz or you get something to look forward to go back and finish it and stuff and you know that's how I'm doing the podcast. I do my own personal photography. I do, you know, the business and really enjoying the boys with their, you know, the sports and stuff. And as I just, you just keep busy all the time. It just keeps your mind ticking over and you just don't go in that that slump as much. I just feel that you you know, the ground running, you really start, it starts energizing you and you, you see things like even I used to love watching numbers of the podcast. Many people are listening, downloads Mm. and, 
it's just all numbers and the competition you've got yourself and pushing yourself. And now I've seen like I've got my website just started looking at yours. I'm like, that's fantastic. So that's got me even wanting to rev it up a wee bit again as well. Yeah, and and this is the thing, like you can you can always find something. And I think as well, nothing gives you a satisfaction like when you yourself have created something and that you're proud of. Yeah. And that you can kind of go like, yeah. Yeah, I did that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And even like every time I record the podcast before I hit record. So I've, I always give myself like two hours before I hit record to like research and read up on my topic with the person that I'm nice. talking to. And then when I hit record, when I hit record, I'm always like, oh, my gosh, I really don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? Yeah, you get quite nervous. Get scared. Don't you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You so nervous. Be, you should be scared. I think if you if you want to do well at something, you should be nervous. Yeah, I completely agree with you, because I think it shows you care enough and you, and you, you care about something. And like, th- then, you know, five minutes in, it kind of suit everyone, everyone's just a little bit comfortable. And then it just, and then it just goes. And then there's times I got off a conversation and I have to like pace my flat because I'm like, oh my God, that was so good. Like yeah, the other day, so oh my God, the other day I recorded a podcast on um, the history of Notre Dame in, in you Paris. Some, sometimes yourself, do you do this? Or is it always with guests? So I kind of, well, this is the nice thing about a podcast because it's kind of, it's your space, it's your rules. So, yep. but most of the time it's with a guest, but on the odd occasion I do it on myself, but this one was with a guest and it's an art historian that's based in America. And she contacted me because she listened to the podcast and was oh, like, wow. oh, do you want to, would you talk to me? Because essentially I'm just like, I've just got this thing out where I'm like, if you want to talk to me, talk to me. Like I'll listen to you. It doesn't yep. matter what you're talking about. And she was like, oh, I love Notre Dame. Can we talk about it? And while we were re- while I was like researching to talk to her, I was looking at sort of the fire, and then I was then it took me down this like weird rabbit hole of like the melting point of limestone, which sounds bizarre, but like chemically, it's so fascinating because limestone is what Notre Dame and a, a lot of buildings in Paris are made from. And I was like, my God, that's so amazing that people are that clever that conservation wise they have to go in and test all these bricks and just to make sure that the building sound and are they going to build can... that again it's like what because that went up actually like i'm not mm. too thing me obviously the it was the glasgow school of art as well oh my god oh my god fires, yeah. and then you had oh. is it notre dame the americans call it <laughs> uh, and when that went yeah. up and they're just like i was like wow man it's stuff like that and it kind of sickens me a wee bit um, it, but it gets you there and the thing is what what I what I said to this guest in the podcast was when people say art and things like that aren't important the whole world united in some way when Notre Dame went up because even when you hear that you go oh god and if it does something like that to you everything exactly. and I've never been well that's it and you've never been do you know what I mean so how can you have that reaction and one not think it's important or at least, at least even sort of know the history or appreciate its importance. And then it just, so nothing makes sense when people are like, history's not important, art's not important. No then why, when we lose things like that, why do we have such a huge Listen, reaction? Like, that's I mean, why I'm so against this censorship stuff that's really happening and we're doing stuff because you're supposed to learn from your history. You're not, oh my you're God, not supposed so to ignore it. You're supposed to learn from it and mistakes happen. Mistakes are good because you're supposed to learn from mistakes. And well, that's then, it. So, yeah, I used to live in Germany and when I for the first six months I was there, 
I was a bit sort of like faulty towers, no one mentioned the war sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then one of my German friends brought up the brought up World War Two, and they're taught in school that although it was terrible, it's it's actually a good thing because there's now laws in place in the country to make sure that it will never happen again. You can't change history. You can only learn from it. And if you just well, that's it. It, then we're going to make the mistakes again. Well, that's it. And and I just thought, my God, that's a really... And I just kind of wondered, like, my God, I wonder how my schooling is so different to yours as someone, as a German, who, who that is their history. The Nazis were their history. like And, and being told this happened, this wasn't okay, X, Y, Z, but it's okay because now we've got these rules, these is what happened. I don't know, it's just it's just interesting to to, to think about different viewpoints and have that conversation with someone because it's conversations be. that as people that grew up in Scotland wouldn't have because why would we? There's no, there wasn't any Germans in my school. Everyone, everyone was from Coatbridge. <laughs> well, I, when I moved from Canada, I was, I was the, the outlier. You know, because oh it was very homogenous in those days. Like there wasn't many people from different cultures and stuff. And you just talk about the Nazis. Like my granny's house was bombed during the war as well. And that yeah. even again, funnily enough, we're talking about censorship. That uh, Clay Bank suffered really, really bad during the war uh, because yeah. they kept a lot Ship of yeah. shipyards. But we also had like the oil. I think they stored. I don't think they refined the oil, but they they stored it there. And there was quite a lot of things, uh, the munitions and. Uh, so they done it, but officially, like they, had, they didn't say how many casualties there was. I think they says yeah. it was like three hundred, and people were like, man, there were streets that probably had more than that, and that came out is just because they didn't want to. It was propaganda. They didn't want to think the Germans had the upper hand, and that many people lost their lives and stuff. So that was only came to light now with the, uh, you know, things like the internet and shows that are going out. That's why the internet's brilliant. It's just yeah. You can find anything you want. Maybe the only bad thing is there's so much shit as well. You need to sift through as like what is true, you know. But um, you got to find these people that know their stuff and they say you tune in and somebody's listening to your podcast. Like, oh, I really like that, but um, it's my own me personal thing. And or I tell everybody, even if you get pissed off with something like that shit, well, it's evoking that emotion as well. And it says that's getting you right there. A hundred percent warm, or the things that tell a message that maybe make you feel uncomfortable, but make you think deep. Um, we've yeah. got a local artist who just taught me the blitz that uh, Tam McKendrick and a lot of his work was to do with the blitz. And even like me and my brother went down to see the show. He says, "Come down and see the show," and he took us around it. We had a wee tour. It's an old abandoned bath that he had it, and oh my god, man, it was such an eye opener. The thing yeah. he learned, the, the picture had these really huge big canvases he's done. It was supposed to be the German pilots looking down at Clay Bank on fire. And I was just yeah. like, wow. And he was explaining stuff. And it was a lesson. It, it looked good. You know, it was uncomfortable. Just mm. listen to people all day. Art is, it's like a, it's a language, isn't it? We, it, it can unite people. Says, yeah, 100%. And I think though, what's brilliant about art is you don't have to take it at face value. Like, you can look at something and then the longer you spend with it and even have a conversation with someone next to you, particularly if you're in Glasgow. And <laughs> granny, the they, absolutely. Here, did you see that show? And just kind of where it can take you is, is amazing. And I think I think sometimes people are too quick to judge, like you said there, like you made an amazing point of when people be like, oh, that's that's rubbish. Okay, 
but you've still had a reaction from it. It's not a good reaction, but it's still a reaction. So the question then I ask you is why? Why does that make you uncomfortable? Why don't you like it? And then you start to pick it apart and then you can get a really interesting conversation. And I just think what's one of the best things that's come out of this podcast, I've, I've had so many brilliant conversations and it's just taught me that there's never such a thing as a bad conversation. Like you can always learn something from each yeah. other. You can always take something from it, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation with someone. You're at least at the end to know where you stand and learn a little bit more about how that other person ticks. Yeah, you've learned. I don't want to ever talk to them again. No. I know. You know no, what? I, you're not my cup of tea, mate. But, <laughs> but like you, said, you learn, and that was even going back. I know I've mentioned it, but like the podcast, I had Stuart on a while back, and Stuart was just a guy that I worked in the casino. But he used to. It was such a good, you know, storytelling and stuff. We used to talk about like mad movies and his days in the yard, and just dead, you know, bubbly kind of guy, you know, just going. And I'm like, these are the things like you're talking and you just you're trying to articulate that to somebody else that you think that would really enjoy it and things and that's where I was like I, I like the idea that you've done like art and that's your thing that's what I probably should have done because mine's quite broad but mine's just like I just want to bring in different guys and but yeah and and, yeah a bit selfish maybe I, I think but not at all, but it's your project. Like, what? How is it selfish if it's if it's your thing? And and come on, you've had some amazing conversations. Is it right? Was it Lauren or Laura that you had on? Laura, funnily enough, you know, I was looking at my stats. Uh, I think the first one we marked, but I, I quite, you know, I pushed that and stuff went out. But Laura's is one of the most listened to ones, and mm. um, Laura's like been through a real journey, right? And yeah. some of the stuff she says is just really hit home with me and how I see things. It's children, it's some things I used to get pissed off with and that I kind of mm-hmm. now understand. Like, her big thing was saying like things that can really piss you off is it tends to be, it's your perception of it. it yeah. It annoys that part of you that angles you and now with, you know, certain relationships with people, I'm, like, I'm more understanding of things and obviously far from perfect and still a bit of a dick at times, but really understanding why oh, and like that sometimes yeah. and Laura was like she's just mad I'd love to get her back on again because I felt she like, was it was an amazing it was an amazing episode to the point that I was sort of like oh my god like this last like but and it just it was so broad and she was so open as well and I think very that's open. what that was a big one wasn't so, it yeah no yeah. And, at all oh my god and even like when she was taking sort of like experimental drugs for like you know I was taking because that's was, like mind-bending drugs, you know, and yeah. I've heard stuff like that. And then like, I've, you know, when I was young, you mess about with stuff and that, but I was like, whoa, like, I don't, oh, that's just, that's a heavy journey. And, I, you know, I actually had a few people reach out to me and like, eh, what's that place in Ireland? I want to go take it. You, you fancy going with it? I'm like, I don't know, mate, but uh, that really hit home. I actually get a lot of uh, people talking about that uh, locally mm-hmm. that even know Laura, that hadn't seen her for a long time. Or people just reaching out. I mean, she's got quite a, a big following, and she is like a full time. Uh, I think I, she didn't like me calling her coach, but yeah, uh, I like right from the off when you were like, yes. she doesn't like being called a coach. I was like, oh, hello. Laura's oh, <laughs> just she's you know very unique, and I think I've seen recently that they're into the kind of cold water dips and stuff in her, but she's just she's a force, definitely. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Funny yeah. one. That one really blew up actually. Um, because I had ones that you'd probably consider like 
you know, more well known through their work, but Laura's like got quite a solid, you know, quite a faithful following. She's helped a lot of people get through stuff. It's actually something I didn't know. I've spoke with some of my clients elsewhere and, you know, even maybe talk about Laura or things that I didn't know, like people, you know, uh, without naming another client of mine, like he, yeah. he said he got a, a life coach to get him through a bad thing. I never really knew people done that sort of stuff. Yeah, I didn't know either. I mean, I knew there was like therapy and things like that, but I didn't know. Like, and I just kind of thought life coach was a very sort of American. Yeah, exactly. Kardashian thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I do. I think it's I think it's a really important. And again, this is why the Internet's fantastic, because if you if you are struggling with things like that, it, it now is just hundred yeah. percent. It's a quick Google and then maybe a sneaky phone call or an email if you're not feeling confident enough to pick up the phone. And then things. Well, that's and it's an amazing tool. Amazing. Well, I had we. I was on a, a photographic forum. This was before like face social media kind of took off, and it was a real cool group of photographers, guys that have really went on to become, you know, re- doing really well in you know different fields and you know selling products, becoming top photographers. Um, Guys always go, they were on that forum on, and it was just this time we all got together and learned a lot from each other. And I says, like, my pal Al, um, it, it was such a strange thing because, like, I'm, you know, this Canadian guy in Glasgow, right? Uh, Alan's, mm-hmm. uh, his background, he was born in Harlem, right? Um, African-American boy, but we really bonded through our mutual love of hip-hop, but he also enjoyed, what he, you know, football, uh, and obviously he's in the football not too many people from that neck of the woods like yeah absolutely so he had that he knew about like celtic and he was into Bayern munich and we had photography and we just you know bonded and he's kind of moved away from photography now he's a type of guy who just gets in this stuff does really well moves on next thing but he's getting into woodwork and that's something i've done and i'm just always oh. saying to him i'm like it's crazy sitting here having a beer in new york you know, you're a, you're a guy from harlem i'm a boy in glasgow and, and we just bond this is this couldn't have happened you know, five, ten years ago, because I just would have never known you existed. You can find your tribe now from all over the world and be into the same stuff before. You you could only really be pally with the guys in your town or something, couldn't you? You could well, that's really- it. it was all oh, to do with you know, a sort of a geographical sort yep. of factor and who was in your into situations that but now you exactly. can go and I actually remember doing a wedding years ago and it was the first one I never realized a bit wet behind the years and I said, So how did you meet? And the lot, oh, we met online dating, and it was kind of nadies like online di- dating was just like creepy, overweight guys. Oh God, yeah. That's what you envisioned. But now, so many of them, obviously, because they're connecting people through some interests and you know morals or backgrounds and stuff. And there's been so many, and I've just remembered that, and I'm like, that's weird. We've just went through this huge, big change. Um, yeah. And what's crazy is it's only the start of it. Like this is this is only exactly. the start of what we can do with this technology. Um, I do think it's terrible though, and I am one of these people that I'm sort of like I can, I'm Glaswegian. I can chat to folk if I can't meet people naturally. There's I must be broken. But I think so many people really rely on these apps. Um, and it was something I've only ever sort of like dabbled in a little bit. Um, Because my brother was like, you should, you should try it. And I was like, oh God, really? And I ended up, because I've heard some horror stories and I ended up having a a really nice time with a lot of really interesting people. But I think that's because London is is so diverse, 
so it's diverse. And it's just but it would be a different caliber of lads if I was in Coatbridge. <laughs> Not to diss anyone for the brig, but uh, we wouldn't be talking about, you know, no, you just where think you used to live in London's pulled you down there because yeah. that's where your hopes or things, desires kind of lay. So that's obviously your thing. And mm. it goes back to me that I'm very much a homeboy that, you know, I don't, I like traveling these places and I'm quite fortunate yeah. my work that it kind of forces me into these places, but I'm not a big, I don't like flying. Yeah. Um, traveling, I do like it, but I get very homesick quick. Mm. Oh. Do you know, it's so funny you said that though, Constable, because... I am. I was such, such a homebody. Like I was. I just. I never thought I would leave Coatbridge. I never thought I would leave Glasgow. I was convinced. I was convinced I would stay there forever. And then something happened. Something huge happened that kind of blew my world up when I was like 21, 22. My sister got very ill, and then my parents divorced. Well, they separated. Right. Okay. And my whole life complete and I was just yep. like oh my god what do I do and I just looked for an eject button and it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I ended up I went to Germany I worked over there for a little while I actually ended up was working with Adidas I was in their archive right. and then I was there two years yeah randomly just you know sports well yeah sports company they have an archive all, all these and this is another thing I don't think people realize is a lot of these huge big companies have archives and that's another thing you can do They've done a lot of art stuff. Like they've been involved oh, with Run DMC. Like that—that that was probably one of the first influencers before kind of they realized because yeah, Run DMC yeah. just wore it. They—they they, yeah. they, Adidas never went to them. He says we just wore Adidas because we we like Adidas. So then, yeah, and they had a song uh, called My Adidas. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, money probably thereafter went towards it a wee bit, but. That was like one of the first kind of influencing things. Like that just happened. They didn't realize that they just were just rubbing their hands together. Like, we don't have to pay these guys anything and they're kind of doing it for us. Mm. And there's a lot of like their originals and stuff, very art based. They do a lot of kind of custom things and work with a lot of artists. Um, I think, oh, his names are always bad, but there's a really well known photographer called 13th witness or something and his dad's okay. like a graffiti artist from new york called mm. fratura he done the artwork for uncle albums and things oh, right, okay. he done stuff for adidas and that they bring in a lot of artists and um, so many artists and yeah, designers oh my god it was an amazing company to work for and they're so for their employees as well it was amazing like the campus like have a google so it's called the world of sports and it's in Herzogenaura in Germany. And it's this tiny little town where... Um, where founded, maybe? Is that where they're from? It, or? Well, exactly. Well, I don't know if you know the history, but um, Adidas... Two brothers. And, and Puma were two yeah. brothers. Yeah. And it's literally... So both headquarters are still in this little town in Germany, in Bavaria. Ah, and it's literally... That. World of Sports is on one side of the road and the Puma headquarters is on the other side of the road. Right, okay. And there's still that rivalry there. Um, yeah, and you can tell who works for who in the town by what trainers you're wearing. And that's how people sort of peg you from your shoes. Tribal it's, wars. It's honestly, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. But it was hilarious to be part of and just come from Coke Bridge and be like, what am I doing here? Like, and again, that wouldn't have happened if the internet wasn't a thing and I'd come across that opportunity. Awesome. So it's just, I think it's just been open to these sorts of things as well. And I, yeah, I remember 
I just never thought I would I just never thought I would leave and I don't think London's my forever place I really don't because London is such a huge city and it can be really quite lonely at times as well yes and I, I really miss I don't know I just it's so funny in London like when you say to someone will we go for dinner everyone gets their diary out and they're like um right so I'm free in about four weeks time we'll, we'll, we'll go for drinks then and I'm like I eat dinner every night and I want to go now <laughs> I know, I'm like, no, mate, now, like, do you want to just, and you don't do that thing where in Glasgow, when, you know, when I was a student and I had a part-time job, we would finish and we'd be like, pub, and we, you don't really do that down here, so I just, I find it really different how people sort of text, so when I come home and everyone's like, pub, and I'm like, tonight, and they're like, yeah, 20 minutes, where they and I'm like, amazing, yeah, glad so to be home. That race, isn't it, I just, that, I get caught up, I feel it's like, what would you, you know, you, you go to the swimming baths and they've got these things, it's the current, like you go in mm. it and it pulls you along. You're just like, yeah. I'm not, you just have to go with it. I just, it's just too many people. I, New York was the same. And oh, was it? I I've never it. been to love school. Mm. New York was just, it says what, it was like a film set everywhere you went. It was like, oh, they filmed that there. And it was like, that Seinfeld, you know, that Woody Allen stays here. That's where John Lennon gets shot. That's the... The tenements of the mafia movies, you just, you know, up in Harlem, there's the Apollo. Everyone just like, so much to take in, but it really, I think it's maybe, I'm an introvert a wee bit. I think it just sucks the thing where you can only put up a song and then you go back and read Yeah, it sucks your energy. It, oh, it does though. And it's, it, it's that a really annoying thing that there's so much going on and like the city doesn't ever really sleep. And then yeah. all of a sudden they'll be, don't get me wrong, I'm so lucky that all these amazing things happen down here, but as soon as they just as quickly as they start they finish and then I'm like oh my god I missed that play and oh my gosh I haven't seen that and then you then you, you kind of you're made to feel like oh well you're not taking advantage of living down here and you're like I can't do all the things no. sometimes I do just want to go home and watch something mindless on Netflix <laughs> and that's okay and yeah I'm but it's um, the eyeballs just chill out oh. <laughs> I'm not thinking about anything but that's it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a wee bit fed up with Netflix. I think most of the world is after after the pandemic. But yeah, it's it's an amazing city. But I have this real like love hate sort of tug of war with it, um, and it really is that. I don't think it's my forever place, but it's somewhere that essentially what another reason why I wanted to come to London is when I was at school, I wasn't told you can go to other universities outside of Scotland because obviously the Scottish government pay for your for four years after you leave high school I was kind of just told why would you go anywhere else other than Glasgow or Scotland somewhere because it's mm -hmm. free which makes sense in a way it does because there's so many people that I've met in my life that are like you're debt free and you've left university yeah, like, especially, American, especially so my American yeah. friends oh my gosh my old flatmate who's American yeah, oh, crippling yeah crippling what what they're what they're expected to pay and but then when I did my course in Glasgow, 90% of the course was, was full of English people. And I was kind of like, oh, like, why is everyone up here? And then it kind of got this thing where I was like, oh, maybe it would be nice to sort of try a new city, move away for a year. And then London, just by the very nature of what I wanted to do, seemed to be the place yeah. to go. So much art and stuff. Oh, my God. Really, we went down... I had these old um, lights that needed fixed and I had to take yeah. them there. It was too, too, it would have been forever it was to ship them. My mate, my mate, I said, we'll just get petrol in the car and we'll drive down and see a bit of London. Yeah. We were down like uh, Brick Lane and stuff. 
Oh, nice. And just walking and seeing all the kind of art as and now I can understand, you know, with my lecture talk, you need to go down London and that there is a real it's one of these big epicenters in the world, isn't it? Yeah. New York's and London, you're like, ah, you can you can do it here and it really but the competition is just you 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 you're in a quite a unique position that you know you are doing it, um, but it must take out yeah, I think a wee bit eh? just even oh yeah, you're squashed and, um, in and the money that's involved and yeah, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing worse than London when you make no money, and yep. for the first for the first few years that I lived down here, after everything came out, like I was paying nearly 800 pounds for a room that if I extended one arm this way and one leg the other way, I could touch yeah, both walls it? at the same time. And it was all I could afford. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm really, you know, like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's it does. Fine, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. I can hear the people snoring in the flat next to me. The walls are that thin. Absolutely. It's fine. It's not going to affect my mental health at all. And then, yeah, you just get really sort of bonkers things that happen to you sort of living in. But also, I remember when I came down to London to look at the student flats, because I studied at Kingston, and my friend Emma came down from Coatbridge, and we were like, oh, we'll, we'll do some theatre stuff, and then we'll look for flats during the day sort of thing. And I came, and it, like, we had a whole day of, like, shithole after shithole. And the straw that broke the camel's back was I went to this really run down ex-council flat nothing against council flats I think they're amazing but went really run down council flat it was like this duplex and they turned the living room into a bedroom and they had these sliding doors that sort of led into what should have been a dining room but of course the sliding doors were, were shut they were locked and then the dining room was also a bedroom and I was like, okay, and for this privilege, I got to pay like £600 a month if I was lucky enough to be selected to take it. But there was, the doors didn't shut right. And there was a gap, maybe about half an inch, the whole uh-huh. way up the door. So I could see into my flatmate's room, who was a guy. And I was like, I was like, um... I see dancing about naked in there. I know, well, that's it. No, right, it gets better. And I was like, um... I don't really know if this room's for me. And there was like, and the guy was like, well, why? What's the problem with it? And I was like, I can literally see into the other person's bedroom. And he was like, oh, I'll just put up like a bin bag or something. It'll be fine. And I was like, get me out of here. Right. Get me out. And I went to, I remember I sat in the Cafe Nero in, in Surbiton and I just cried. And my friend Emma was like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. Because the two of us were like so out of our depths. Because like that just... How is that allowed? Rooms that you've got mold on, like one of the walls, and like, oh, just just move the wardrobe in front of it. What? So I can't see it, but it's still there, right? Okay, great. Oh, it's I've seen some absolute horror shows. Big <laughs> cities are just—it's like every space available you throw in. We went to New York. It had the uh, the window in the room that I was in, and it was like the old. I was laughing myself. I wish I'd taken a picture. The window looked at a brick wall that was about three feet away. <laughs> Like, this is like, I'm like, it's so funny, man. It's a comedy sketch. You open the window and you're just looking at a brick wall. And I'm what like, have you? <laughs> but then again, you says you're that was kind of midterm. You, you jump out or you go to New York and it is literally, it's a buzz, isn't it? And I think that's what, oh my god, yeah. Is like, and I think that's it as well. Like, yeah, you do, you're not paying. 
to, to live in your flat. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, yeah, you're paid exactly. for the privilege. You're, that's of- not even, yeah, no sleep. So it, it's just, with art, you kind of, at least you know you've kind of tried it as well in a way, I guess. You've went down there. Because you can do yeah. a lot of things in Glasgow as well. It's, it's oh my new, God, so much. Mm, but you can class. do you can you can do so much stuff everywhere. Like Britain has got such a brilliant art scene. Liverpool is an amazing city to go for art. They've got like eight art galleries there and an incredible like art program that throughout the city continuously leads Yorkshire. Yorkshire Sculpture Park is this incredibly beautiful place down in Bristol. Banks' place that you're talking about. Uh, absolutely. Cardiff, um, you know. Edinburgh there's so many places you know there's a lot of there's a lot of land artists that live in Dumfries and Galloway and Andy Goldsworthy lives down there what you call them a land, land, art- land artists yeah so they use they use elements of the land so they'll, they'll like they'll like place stones or they'll like use a fallen tree and like carve it into something oh, or right, okay sorry yeah um yeah but and there's a cool place down I can't remember and it's only it's a garden I think it was some guy that kind of... Did Jupiter and Artland. Pardon me? Jupiter Artland? I don't know. The name, it's like, it's open up, I think they open it up once or twice a year and it's sculpted. It's got just, as you, what you said there, just, I, I think it's got like a mazy sort of thing and yeah. uh, I keep on doing it because uh, trying to get onto it. I've seen an art photographer went down and I'm like, that would be really nice to go. But I think it, every time it's like, it just goes so quick. There's only so many tickets. And I so think, I think it's, it's, I think it's Jupiter Artland, but there's also the same artist has done one outside of the modern one in Edinburgh. So there's right, one okay. that you can go see in Edinburgh and you don't, and it's there all year round. And there's an amazing, an amazing, like, Edinburgh little such a beautiful city compared to Glasgow, oh isn't God. it? Oh my it God, it's amazing. Shits upon it. Glasgow's got that granny at the bus stop was going to talk to you, but <laughs> Edinburgh you go and it is just, it's so nice, man. I, I thought London was quite the same, just these old buildings that obviously had money, these tenements, you see them like, you're just cracking all the raw ironwork, you know, ancient, you know, uh, cemeteries in the city oh, and things, yeah. the cobblestones and things. Glasgow is just a bit of a ramshackle. It's just get a lot of, I don't know. It's just it's a straight. It's beautiful. It's not that. It's got some really nice buildings, but it's like mm-hmm. we'll have a shit one right next to it. Edinburgh's just got that, you know, that real beautiful look. Yeah, it's a bit more symmetrical, shall we say, than than, yeah. uh, than what Glasgow is. But I think you know it speaks of Glasgow's history. You know, it's it's been a really sort of rapidly changing place and yeah, city. Place. You know, really tough place. Uh, you know, a huge shipping port. You know, a lot of people coming there to find jobs. And Edinburgh has always been sort of the, the, the hub of, of the country. It was the hub of the art world for such a long time in, in Glasgow, in, in Scotland rather. And there's always been that sort of like, you know, it's very, it's two very different ends of the M8. Uh, but, they're, but they're both amazing in, in their own way. But the yeah. thing about Edinburgh is, I don't think people are as friendly, as you said. You don't have the grannies at the bus no, stop. No, definitely not. So what do you no, think of like, Scottish artists like uh, Peter Harrison? I was actually thinking about you too because I've got wee thoughts and I watched a, mm-hmm. a really funny enough on YouTube where we were just talking about the niche things and it was Jack Vetriano. Oh, yeah. Was it Paul Hogan? I can't remember his real name. Uh, he, like, he was the, he was like, he's one of the best selling British artists of modern times. You know, I was reading like Jack Nicholson's get bits of his art, you know, he'd made 
tens of millions on his prints. And he's never really kind of held with any sort of high, high esteem within the art community and stuff. And he, he admits that. And it's, I think it came out that he was copying those books and stuff. But I'm sure painters and that have always copied, you know, photographs or whatever anyway. So it's just your interpretation. And nobody really done yeah. anything like that stuff. You'd like, you know, I think it was the, was it the singing butler or something or whatever, the couple of dancing on the beach with the oh, wind. Yeah. And, the mm. and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think it kind of got, oversaturated because it was everywhere so what, yeah. what, what do you think of a man like that like well, well, do you know what anybody mm-hmm. and but what's your thoughts on somebody like that who can be so successful and capture the imagination of so many people have really high-end collectors and stuff and not get any respect within his sort of his peer group well i don't know peer groups but within the art community i just think this is classic art world. There is a snobbery there mm-hmm. that you have to tick all these boxes. And I do think it's because in the art world, there is a lot. So there's an, an amazing book called The 12 Million Pound Stuff Shark. And it's essentially, it's written by Don Thompson. I mean, the Yeah, exactly. But it's this like tongue in cheek of, this is why the art world ticks the way that it does. It's all about showmanship. It's all about sort of peacocking, if you will. Like, yeah. oh, come to my gallery opening. Oh, this costs so much money. Oh, darling, yes, come on, I'll, I'll smooth you and we'll, we'll go to a really fancy private dinner. Yeah. And I bet you this lad is just sort of like, here's the art. I've got New Year's or Graces. He's, got, he's quite a gruff character. He's from a mining town and stuff. He worked down a mine. If you listen to him, he's like, he mumbles. He's mm. quite a, you know, he's pockmarked. You know, he's... It looks as if he could take care of himself, really, as if he put one in your chin. So he's not like that kind of hoity-toity. And then, not to say anything wrong, but then I see, you know, Emin's, you know, unmade bed sort of thing. And I'm sure that's gets own merits, but I'm like, you know, I don't know. Everybody's different, but I just, I remember seeing that a few times that he, he was really, and you never really read about him or anything. And he was very successful. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I've never, I've never heard of his name. I mean, I'm going to Google him once we're done chatting. But the, uh, you know what? It's classic art world, and there's there's so many people in the world that love art and that collect art. And sometimes it just takes, you know, Jack Nicholson. Who's Jack Nicholson friends with? Quite a lot of millionaires. Yeah. So that's going to introduce that artist to that yeah. to that line of people. Whereas if he's in, I don't know, a big gallery in London. And he's pushed and there's that sort of struggle, if you will, or there's that yep. narrative. But because he's, I don't know, like gruff and maybe not a bit sort of sexy and mysterious. Like, I, I just think if, if he's got no room for let's schmooze a client I or let's go in like, like that. Yeah, just the politics of all. But then again, well, that's it. mm. it's the like the street art thing. Like, <laughs> I was actually, there was another thing I was going to pull you up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I was listening to that Banksy thing and I had this a while back and about. So we live in the digital age now, right? Mm. I've got that phone sitting next to me that's basically knows where I am, knows my thoughts, you know, like mm. they're harvesting all my, you know, yeah. they're listening to us and they're, the mic's on, they turn on the cameras, they just want everything to give to these marketers and people that just yeah. know everything about you. And I'm like, how come we don't know who Banksy is? How can he be selling this stuff for millions, doing this stuff, and nobody knows who it is? That freaks me out. Like, is that like a conspiracy? Is this like a, a bunch of people that are going like, let's do this? No, um, it's it's a gimmick, and it's all about. How so you have to get away with it, but how come? Well, the thing is, is, 
well people do know who he is this is the thing people know who he is and like I I used to work with a, a guy that worked in uh, Bonhams in Edinburgh and he did wow. a talk on this at, at, when we were at university together and he was like he's his name is da, 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 and he's from Bristol and because if you google who is Banksy the first thing that comes up is Banksy's wife is called Carol somebody and so people do know who he is, but it's this whole idea of, of the mystery and that you're buying into this, the brand of Banksy. Yeah, absolutely. But how come we've not got anybody that's just been that? I'm ruining it for everybody. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. Well, then he, but he has, he has his whole team in place. He has that. So for people that don't know, Banksy has a thing called pest control and it's his sort of authentication team. And if you Google it, Banksy Pest Control, it's this whole website. And essentially, when you if you think you found a Banksy, they yeah, either sort of make it true. or break it. And they're sort of, you know, judge, jury, executioner when it comes to anything sort of Banksy related. And he has a team behind him that whenever probably anything happens, they shut it down. Because think about how many stuff, how many stories do we know, you know, Prince Andrew pops to mind oh no or, you can do it Jimmy but it Savile. must be very powerful now to get away with that that's all my, my thought because there's so many and, people like to know who he is well that's it that's it. I mean I definitely think people know who he is but I also think that's part of the I don't know I do think you know if you've got a free few weeks on your hands and you want to go sort I of scout around <laughs> And you know, if anyone listening that wants to, on our behalf, go and find who Banksy is, let's go for it. But then it's that whole conspiracy theory that people thought he was Neil Buchanan for I a little while. And then oh my God, that was just that brilliant. Was a massive attack. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was traveling and he used to be a graffiti artist. He was from Bristol and I think he ticked a lot of the boxes. But then again, it was the. He had a nemesis called uh, King Robbo, who was another graffiti artist who got into it when he's seen the early stuff in New York and they had the tit for tats and they were covering stuff and they were messing about and sadly I heard I think last year, the year before he actually passed away, King Robbo and that was a cool documentary to see I think they get a wee bit petty on both sides but I think mm. the, the documentary made you feel quite um, sympathetic to King Robbo which I felt anyway and uh, I just I found it quite interesting that you can kind of get away with it and then you seen like the thing that it, that person bought this big expensive painting and it went through the shredder. Oh, and it shredded. And I'm like, oh, and I that and I'm like this is quite contrived. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I believe this as well. And I'm like, it, it seemed cool, but I'm like, nah, it's, how could you get away with that? No, that's all a gimmick. That is all a gimmick. That is all to drum up the brand of Banksy. And he did that. So he did that during a really important week in the sort of art world calendar just to go a bit sort of twatty on everyone yeah. and it's called freeze it's this amazing art film well I'm gonna, no it's not amazing it's amazing <laughs> it's an art fair that everyone thinks is amazing and it's very contemporary and very out there and very pretentious and yeah. anyone that's to put it this way even just to get in it's about 70 pounds for one person to get in to see an art fair so that right away just I'm sets the bar that. off yeah but, I'm against that but, yeah no and there's no like, what's the point what's the point and if you can get in, it's it's this. So everyone from all over the world comes to London for this week. They now do one, and they now do one in New York as well. And everything art worldwide happens in that week because people with very deep pockets come to London, and that's when those big sales happen. And that is when he did that. Right, so that okay. was timed. 
There was a lot of people there. The what that you know, eyes were already on London. I mean, I think if he did something like that anyway, it would have got press. But the fact that everybody that was a really important sale in that week that is calculated, that's not an accident and it's a gimmick and it's just to drum up publicity and no, sales what? because everyone's going to be like, oh my god, were you in the room when like the banks you shredded? Because that's how people, that's how he keeps himself fresh, you know. He's some been people on for a while. Yeah. He still gets that. He's like, because uh, they fall in and out of favour of the that artist, but he's kind of, he's had quite a, a career now, hasn't he? Mm, well, that's it. But I do think, I do agree with uh, Verity, who I spoke with. I do really agree that he does stick the middle finger up at people who, who need it. And he, and he knows, like, I think he's kind of and in on the joke. See, that's part of the reason we see it. It's like the stencils, like, I've seen it, I'm like, I thought it was cool, but it's not on a level like you know you see somebody do a technique you're like oh that's you know takes that like his like same like it's very doable but it was his messages and the way he done mm-hmm. stuff the juxtapose of you know like flowers coming out at the end of the gun you know and all that sort of stuff it was but that's it and you don't need words for that and that's why that's important because no matter where you are in the world you can understand that imagery you know what that is you yeah. don't need information and street art is so important and so flipping brilliant at that as well. And it's so reactive, something like street art as well. And they have, you know, it, it is sort of climbing the ranks in terms of sort of collectability and artists that you can follow, like Ben Ayn, for example, or Stick down here. He's a huge artist. You know, these incredible people who just started tagging on the street just for the love of it. And yeah. then it's turned into something all by accident. So, but I think, but even things like that happen when artists like that take off, they're reaching a different level of people. One on a level where normal, if you will, people who aren't in the art world and yeah. you know everyday people like you and I, you see something in that and it resonates with you, and you think, God, yeah, I get that, and that's why they take off. And then it's when they move into that sort of like blue chip, untouchable stupid prices even someone like David Shrigley who was who I, I think is Glaswegian or he, he worked in Glasgow for years and years and he's now down in oh my god Brighton mm-hmm. he did the fourth plinth, you know the big thumb the big fourth plinth project you know even his stuff to begin with it's really sort of tongue-in-cheek really funny we used to sell for a couple hundred quid and now a print will go for like five thousand pounds you know so it's just yeah the point to get caught up in that machine it's yeah that can happen in anything like football yeah it can you know, doing for love for football and then guys getting transferred for like a hundred million stuff it does get obscene but that's just the way things are set up but uh, yeah, but it's not don't hate the player hate the game yeah, yeah. no it is what it is you know if you're lucky you know i don't think it particularly makes a lot of these guys any happier but uh i was at another one like uh, jean-michel basquiat as well who oh, stuff like yeah his stuff really like, I really really like his stuff and that was that was a really cool one and that was you know street art from a, I think Haitian mm-hmm. I think Haitian American and what he done you know but a so lot of these they, guys are troubled yeah, yeah. um because Basquiat he died really young he was I think he died yep. from like a heroin overdose at like 27 or something no, I was definitely a street um, guy. But it's really funny but I I had never heard of him as an art historian my sort of five-year training street art wasn't touched on and it wasn't until the Barbican did an oh my god an amazing exhibition in 2018 called Basquiat Boom for Real 
and it was like a retrospective of, of his works and I'd never heard of him but everyone was like oh my god it's amazing and I was like who the hell is this guy because it's very sort of on first look it's very sort of like childlike yeah and then when you sort of read his story you're like oh my god this is Basquiat's amazing yeah multimedia yeah. stuff and that's just mm-hmm. top notch it was actually I think one of the first times it was a movie I seen him yeah, yeah. Mm. I think William Defoe or something's in it, and I can't remember the the chap that plays him. I can picture his face in that, but it was a quite a cool flick as well. Just one of these guys, as you say, you just you're not going to know everybody, are you? And you just fall upon stuff or people's that check him out, and I, I, you know, but that's the fun of it. You're always learning. Like you're always going to learn. You're always going to discover people, come across things, go down rabbit holes. That's what I say to people. One of my favorite things about what I do. Is like falling down an art rabbit hole and then I end up looking at I don't know history paintings or I end up looking at like this football match that happened here and yeah it's just you just don't know where it's going to take you and just sort of lose yourself in it it's it's so fun it's so fun well so the good thing that your podcast too you're touching upon this stuff and you can see all these uh, different aspects are all these different Things. I think it's been really good talking to you. I've really enjoyed it, actually. I need to go back in and listen to some more. Um, yeah, please do. And yeah, I've loved talking to you as well. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great to hear, like I said, hear that Glaswegian accent. I know you're Canadian, but it's still a Glaswegian accent. <laughs> Thank you, wee mum. I might bump into it in a, a bus stop somewhere. Well, absolutely. <laughs> or, or she'll be that woman in Tesco that's getting, you know, that's having a conversation with everyone. Uh, that was yeah that was my mom growing up (laughs) you need to to definitely thank her and it says it was good to have a a fellow podcaster are you quite geeky with the the audio stuff and that the the learning curve of oh my gosh all yours via zoom have you done any in person so I've done I don't do I've done one or two on zoom purely sorry but I don't normally use zoom I use an app called anchor so if anyone's like interested in podcasting and and doesn't want to do it over zoom there's an amazing free app called anchor and essentially all I do is like send someone uh, a whatsapp message saying Uh join my recording and they click it and we just have like a like a phone call but what's amazing about anchor Uh is that it starts recording automatically so you don't ever forget to press record which before we recorded I, I think they, they host as well they host podcasts as well don't they they do, they do. who do you host with uh, Podbean Podbean okay yeah I know I just mm-hmm. I had a look it says I, I'm terrible uh, for like I research stuff over and over and I check oh my God, stuff. but it's someday and, and I've been following a couple of guys on Twitter like a kind of not quite life coaches but guys that you know, the no nonsense approach to doing yeah. things. do it make the mistakes that's where you yeah. learn to start. You can sit and read the books or the manuals. You'll never get shit done unless you just go both go and move forward. And that's what I kind of done. And lockdown was oh good for them. I'm just going to do it. I'd like to same. do it. Yeah, I've done. So I'm exactly the same. I am that person that if there's a class for it, I'll take it. If there's a class to be a good podcast okay. guest, I would, I would do it. There's never enough classes that I can do. And I did four four podcast workshops one with a bbc journalist four workshops and i was and and she was she was amazing actually she's the one that sort of used anchor and essentially i just got and i had this chat with a friend and he was kind of like you sound like you're standing in your own way i think you should just rip the band-aid off and and do a recording so i got up one morning and i called my sister and i was like 
right, we're doing it. Can I talk to you in an hour? And she was like, okay, let's talk about this painting. And then I hung up the phone. And then in an hour, we recorded the first episode just to sort of rip the bandaid off. And it was never meant to be heard. And then at the end, I was like, oh my God, that wasn't actually horrendous. And that's actually my first podcast. But like when you- That wasn't horrendous. That wasn't horrendous. Well done us. We can actually have a conversation together. Wow. Look at us adulting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, and don't get me wrong, if I listen to that now, the two of us sound like we're in a tin can under the sea because I just didn't, I just didn't know that I need to put, you know, like a towel down or, you know, or like close the curtains for the echoes to bounce because no one in the four workshops mentioned that. So I didn't do it. So yeah. And, but it's, yeah, I would, I would say if anyone's listening that wants to start it, like it's incredibly easy to do. It's just time consuming. Yeah. It's like, you can, you, you can do it low darn dirty. Just get the phone. I actually seen that anchor. I think I started visually and I was going to do that. And then I'm like, no, I'm a bit geeky. So I wanted to buy like the microphones. Um, I had the studio. Well, we were doing them in the studio before lockdown and people are coming in and I've like, got the big desk and I had everything set up again. It was very much the Joe Rogan sort of thing. And I wanted mm-hmm. it similar to that. And it is good. And it's been lucky, you know, people like yourself, the art background, we've had, you know, boxers, you know, sports people. I actually just found out that two previous uh, guests are in the new... Uh, Guy Ritchie movie, so that's pretty cool. Oh my god, amazing! Well done, Chris and Cameron. They're both on that. Um, and uh, Jamesy Price as well has just got his, he made a movie recently for a, a what's it? I can't Michael Impor- Michael Imporioli, I can't pronounce his name from The Sopranos. He's in a rock band, and James just made him a, a, a video for that. So a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool That's stuff. And we've just yeah. added you to the list. You know, one oh, of the- thank you so much. Well, I shouldn't let you down. Well, maybe I should like upgrade my podcast equipment just for you saying like, no, no, no. You're do, just doing this on the cheap. This is my, this is my stand, which for everyone listening is a pint glass with a plate on top. It's from Coat Bridge people. It's, it's expected. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, that's well, it. Your website you know. looks fantastic. And that's what oh, I, I, to, I was just speaking with a guy. So you can go on. Uh, Joe's, uh, I'll, I'll link this stuff in the description, but uh, at joeartshistory.com, you can go on and you've got cool. You've been writing. You've got your podcast there. You've got a wee bit of info on yourself. So um, you'll enjoy it because everybody likes art. You just need to find out the art that you like or it gets you angry as anything. Because yeah. it's just emotions, isn't it? And messages well, that's it. and feelings, you know. Well, so. that's it. And it's it's a beautiful way to sort of spend your time as well. And and even like you don't have to look at paintings. There's plenty of things that are that fall into art, you know, film and music. Oh, well, we just and, said that, you know, landscapes, everything, everything, yeah. everything that's good. And we definitely need that. And mm. we need people like you to spread the word as well. So thank you very much for coming on, Joe. Really enjoyed that. And maybe get you on back. Uh, on our time as well and we can chat some more yeah I would love that thank you so much it's been so lovely to chat to you thank you and also thanks to my mum let's end it with that (laughs) this this show is dedicated to our mums yeah thanks thanks mum yay (laughs) okay Joe thanks again no worries thank you take care bye 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 well done you've done it yay Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Oh my gosh, such a great chat. Thank you. I know. I'm just, I feel like 
uh, I was listening to you and I'm like, fuck, she's quite refined. She's good at talking. <laughs> My mate's like, mate, stop breathing through your nose. I can hear you talking to me through your nose. I'm like, I've got a big nose. That's what happens. It's just life. We're making no, it well. Oh, no, listen, don't worry about it. Like, if I record with my sister, so a few of the episodes it's been with my sister, and my sister, like, she's, like, her and I are very sort of handsy when we talk, so uh-huh. I've really had to, like, train myself to be, like... Tying the hands down in the seat. Because for the first couple of episodes, I was, like, clanking things <laughs> about, and I was, like, taking... Yeah, you do. Like, right, at one point, I almost, like, when you were chatting, I almost, like, opened this bottle of fizzy water, and I was, like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, it's it's all learning. I don't know. I'm the same. I'd quite fancy doing maybe video ones at some point as well. Yeah. Uh, if I can get yeah. more people in the studio, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna do a wee lighting setup. And uh, I was I've seen ones are changing camera angles and whatnot. I've just I've seen one uh, a photographer actually fun enough, and we just had a nice desk. We had the sign. And it was just one view, and I'm like, that's mm. quite nice, quite intimate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've thought about it, but I could see that I do it with the microphone. Yeah. But, I, and, but mm. I see like you're on YouTube as well, and I'm just thinking, I think people are more likely to watch them if they've watched people. I think studying stuff, I think people love, like your website's good, that you've got pictures of yourself. I think people want to see. Well, yeah, people like people, though. That's the thing. And I mean, like, even with my YouTube videos, I don't have a lot of people that have, that have what it's essentially like my dad and the, like the four guys that he golfs yeah, with. Yeah, I've done it for my kids as well. They're like, Dad, you need to go on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, right, okay. So same as you, are just covering all the bases and you're hoping for a few well, that's it. find you. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I was going to say with Podbean, um, how many, like, uh, people do they sort of distribute your podcast to? That's I've just been doing that through everybody. Like um, you can just, uh, I think you just put the RSS into like a yeah. Google and you just all that different one. So they just I think that they're all kind of the same. After mm-hmm. a while, because you're on a broad range of stuff, your host is just there, and it just depends yeah. what they do for you. The only thing is like um, up it, you can do like Patreon and stuff. Yeah, so I'm, any money than our. I'm saying because um. I had my podcast going for about three months and then I had this like light bulb moment where I was like, is there any independent sort of streaming services? And there's loads. So um, I added my, I'll send, I've got a magic list. I'll send you, I'll send you this article and it gives you about 50 places where you just, you just, you add yourself independently to their directory, but all you do is put your RSS number in. Okay. And then every time, because it links to your, your yep, host. When you put the new ones, it will come up. Exactly. And even when you add it, it will then add your whole back catalogue. And out with iTunes, through me doing that, that's where I get like my second most amount of listens. And it's up my listeners in like America and in the States. What, what, what and, your biggest is iTunes, did you say? iTunes is where I get the most listens. Yeah. So like really? 30%, of, 30% of my listens come from iTunes. Do you, like, how do you market your podcast? I, I I don't to be perfectly honest. I need to I need to get better at it. I mean, I had like when I first started, I was doing like a real hard push with it, where I was like looking every because obviously every episode is a different thing. Yeah. And I was like following groups that, that you know on Facebook and whatever, and being like, oh hey, like That's you good. like That's really the barbecue. Yeah. I've got I've got an episode on the barbecue. Would you be interested in this? That's and actually so through active. doing that, I've ended up having people on the podcast that 
that like certain things because they were like, oh, if, hey, we like that. Would you want to do it? And then I ended up, I wrote to an, an art magazine and I was like, this is what I do. Do you want to chat? Or would anyone want to like listen or review the podcast? And then I ended up getting interviewed by them. Oh, but it's, an, it's, it's like an American magazine. Um, and then it's things like, because because obviously I've been doing it and, I'm, and it's just you, like, I mean, I was writing to like the skinny and stuff like that as well to be like, yeah. lads, are you interested? And like, it just, unless you've got money, particularly right at the start, people don't want to hear. Um, and I put a press kit together so I could just ping it to people to be like, here's what it's about. And here's an automatic link to three episodes. And, and that's helped in like getting conversations going. But and like in small bits, like I've had it, yeah. like it just says just needed one person to say somebody. And I've had some really good ones because I'm like, oh, didn't you doing that? I'll give you a shirt, my mate. Like I, my second biggest one was Cameron Jack, and he's an actor downstairs. Mm. He's been in tons. He's one of these guys that you just he's been in tons of stuff. And it was just a friend of mine's older brother. And he's like, would you like Cameron? He's a dead bubbly guy, and his was really good. And then he put me on to the wee director guy, wee James Price, and he came. That was one of the best ones. I really enjoyed because he's like a real movie buff. Yeah, and I, love it. And I was like saying, I'm like, oh, the fuck do you know that? And he's like, how do you know that? And it was like, amazing. Oh, I love that. And just people passing on names. And it's just, I just say the wee domino effect, but there's a few good ideas there. I just want to do it because I enjoy it. And it just, it can be whatever it wants. I just want to create. See, but I'm, I'm exactly, I'm exactly the same. Like, and it's, it's like, why I started it is because like, there's so much noise in the art world. And mm -hmm. I just kind of think, do you know what? Like, I'm going to just create my little space for me. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. bang my drum as loud as I can. Yeah. And if anyone likes it, you're going to, like, oh, you know, your vibe attacks. Your Come on, lads, let's go to the museum <laughs> and let's not use any big complicated words <laughs> that have got more than eight yes. letters in them. Come on. And then we'll go to the pub. <laughs> and then we're getting wrecked. Nobody takes it <laughs> Oh, my God. I cannot wait for the pubs to open down here. You have no idea. The withdrawal of pubs. <laughs> appreciate it the way that us Scots do I love it I love the pub so much well, oh my god what? I'm gonna hold you to Joe I want you back on because I'm gonna oh no I would love to I would love I'm and if you wanted to come on yeah yeah yes. if you if you wanted to come on mine and talk about you know a photographer or anything because I'd like to talk about photography and I could talk about photography and uh therefore I'll, I'll hold you yeah to amazing yeah no honestly you tell me like what you want to talk about and when you're free, and let's get it in the diary and do it 100%. I'd love to have you well, on. I'll ping you because it says I'd, I'd like to talk about photography and just her things and retouchable on her the internet's really changed stuff and how we can do things and the the preconceptions that you can't do this, you can't do this. And I'm like, no, you can. But I would I would really love to sort of pick apart maybe as well, like, because there's a lot of snobbery around photography and how massively, photography massively. isn't an art form. And then you see somebody like Cindy Sherman and you're like, no, but no. Well, like, I just funnily enough, I seen uh, a a job and uh, a job vacancy came up today for the Glasgow School of Art, and they want mm -hmm. a fine art photographer teacher, and they're going to give fifty five grand a year. So it's definitely a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It is a thing. Like it's this. Oh, it's this snobbery though. Like it's if, if it's not interpretation, a I know when people say and you can see stuff and say, well, that's just a, a record of thing. Me, but there's people who interpret stuff and. Very mm. similar to movies. You just, if you evoke a, an emotion, it's art. Yeah. Have you ever heard of um, the Ministry of Arts podcast? No. 
Right. I think you would really like this guy. He's called Gary Mansfield that runs it. And um, he's an, he's got an amazing story. He might be a guest if you're interested in it. Um, I've spoken to Gary, Gary and are quite good friends. Um, so he so he was actually in prison. He got, a drugs deal went wrong and he was put in prison. And it was when he was in prison, he um, he did an art class and the it was some guy for Hackney that was like, all right, so this is this guy called Ray Richardson that was like, all right, so this is what I do. And he was like, holy fuck, you talk like me. And then he, I hundred percent. And then he, so he, and he then started writing to artists to be like, I'm in prison. I'm interested in this. Someone's giving me your catalog. And then artists were like sending him books and catalogs. And some of them were sending them like little sort of doodles that they were doing. And then he came out of prison and then he became an artist and he does uh, exhibitions and works with like the Katie Piper Foundation and he's fucking class. Like he's such good chat and he's definitely, just, definitely he's amazing. He's amazing. If you, yeah, hundred percent. And like, he's so, so nice. Um, but I'll send you a link to it and just ping him a message and just say, oh, Joel. I need to sit down and, and listen to some more, but that'd be really good. I actually used oh, he's to photograph a guy who is a prison artist as well. And the stuff you can do, I'm like, oh, the fuck can you draw that? It's like a photograph. And then you've yeah, got your Jimmy Boyles and stuff, haven't you, that done yeah. all that sort of stuff? Well, that's it. And then he's also interviewed somebody who I, I want on my podcast, who is like the world's most famous art forger. And that's how he makes his career. I've seen, like seen that in copying I wonder if that's Caravaggio's and Michelangelo's and whatever else. And he's he's been to prison for it as well. <laughs> I seen a YouTube, I seen a YouTube video about a guy that done the copies. Yeah, might have been him, David Henley. I think that's him. that actually rings a bell. Might be him. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I'm not going to be like, hey, bye, <laughs> never talk to you again. No, I'm not a dickhead. Like, I might be for Coat Bridge, but right, I'm good well, at. Let's my... tie you back in, and I want to do. I'd love to do one of yours as well. I'd be good. Yeah. Be, no, absolutely. I'll, I'll be cross right, I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you that magic list of independent places to like, distribute your podcast, and then I'll send you links to to, to Gary as well, uh, and have a check out. But yeah. Amazing. You. And then you tell me what you want to talk about and then we'll get it in the diary. I'll, do that. I'll, I'll, I'll write down a few things and you can kind of ask questions and stuff. I think that'd be really good. Okay. Magic. Magic. Thank okay. So oh, brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Joe. I'll, I'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah, 100%. Right. I'll speak to you soon. Good night, mate. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Night.